0: If I may, to take you on a strange journey. What the Front Time ha. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I is your host, Adam Zekamble. Excellent, not Z. I don't know why I do that. Um, I'm being joined by the amazing Witch Zaptic. How are you, my dear?
2: I'm well. How are you?
1: I'm so good. I wish we could... Sorry, so for the audience's sake, uh, so that you're in on the frustration, we just have this, like... And, and this is something that I have all the time, this perpetual sort of, like, hum of the earth that resonates through my microphone and my earbuds... I don't know what it is, I don't know what it's from, but uh, it happens from time to time and it's a little bit annoying.
2: Maybe it's not, uh, you know, maybe it's not the mechanics, maybe it's just happening inside your brain, like you're, you're resonating, oh, <laughs> you're resonating with the earth virus or something like that. Um, I hear it too though, so maybe there's a, you know, we're communing with the earth. It's,
1: I've infected you yes, exactly, what it is. earth resonance. virus. <laughs> Alright, well it is October 12th and we do have a wonderful show for you this week We're going to start off with, of course, Unorthodoxy with which Zaftig, episode 3 What's this one going to be called? What are we, what are we talking about?
2: Uh, today we're going to be talking about the occult roots of Mormonism Which may seem like a contradiction oh, uh, But there's actually uh, substantial evidence to um, discuss about the overlap between occult ideas and Mormonism Especially early Mormonism
1: Wow. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, directly after, we're going to do a little Infernal Informant. Two articles here. Can we lose the violent Muslim ki- cliche? And Archer Season 6, goodbye ISIS.
3: <laughs> this
1: is so frustrating for me because I'm a big Archer fan. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I'm going to close it out with an old Nick's Peep Show, Episode 13. So look forward to that at the tail end of the show. And uh, I have <laughs> – I don't know if you guys can hear this. i got to close out this page. I, I preload the pages of articles that we talk about, and sometimes the pages have videos that auto-play in the background, even if you don't click on anything. It's just our wonderful internet nowadays. Uh, yeah, Very annoying. It's frustrating. Yes. So I just hear every once in a while yes. people talking. And I think, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going fucking crazy because I'm hearing voices in my head. It's happened and to me several like, times
2: where, like, suddenly I didn't realize a page I just opened had some sort of
1: yes. thing
2: happening. And I'm like, what's what's going on? Especially if I'm in the library trying to study. People give me dirty looks. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And I whisper, I'm sorry. There's voices. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, a uh, couple show notes before we start here. Next week's show, not this show. But next week's show is going to be late. I'm going to Texas for a couple days, a couple few days to visit some old friends. And so I pray it'll probably be around Wednesday that the show gets released. So um, that's going to be a Militant Eroticism and um, Agent Provocateur episode. And I'm going to try to squeeze in an interview as well with, with someone that I've been trying to get for a while. So, so look forward to that. It should be good. I have been getting a couple questions about asking if it's too late. I just spit on my microphone Uh, asking if it's too late uh, it's a good thing we're not face to face uh, because you just would have gotten a little bit of Adam Adam love in your eye yeah (laughs) Um, if it's too late for uh, greater magic questions and yes it is too late Uh, for those of you who do not listen to this podcast as it's released but you sort of wait uh, and sort of marathon them you may not you know realize uh, that I've already recorded the Greater Magic episode, so sorry. <laughs> However, we do have uh, the wonderful Witch Zaptic that can answer any of your satanic related questions on her segment That's that we're true. Gonna be doing today. So don't not send them in if you do have a question.
2: They, they may not be as erudite as Magister Rose and Magus Gilmore's, but I mm. can certainly try. <laughs>
1: I think uh, you're going to do just fine, especially with what you've done so far. So um, don't sell yourself short. You're doing (laughs) great. (laughs) What a foul. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and, and there's a couple ways that, uh, you know, every once in a while I get someone asking, how can I support the show, or what can I do to help promote Nine Cents? Well, first and foremost, obviously, share it. Talk about it. Let other people know. Uh, expose people to Nine Cents. Um, but there are a couple other ways that you can help. So, obviously, we have a donate button on the homepage. All of the server and hosting costs are put up by yours truly. So, if you want to help, and those of you who have in the past, thank you very much, that is one direct way that actually benefits everyone um, instantly. However, there's also apparel through Asp Apparel, so you can get your own nine cents T-shirt or tote bag. I don't know if you call it a tote bag, laptop bag maybe. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff, nine items from uh, Asp Apparel featuring nine cents logo. So check that out. That's always available. Um, but also, you can leave your own intro. So at the beginning of this episode, you heard that really wonderful Nightmare on Elm Street intro by a listener. Thank you so much for submitting that. That was fucking kick-ass. Um, you can leave your own. Uh, you can either email it to info and or you can call uh, <laughs> what is it? 801-899-6168. And it's a Google Voice account. And just leave a little message of your own intro saying, I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey in whatever wonderful way you want to leave it.
2: They are extremely creative. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm constantly surprised by <laughs> by how well done and amusing and entertaining that they are.
1: Very, very cool. I mean, we have, we have some really amazing listeners. Yeah. Um, and then, of course... Uh, Submitting questions, for example, with the greater magic episode and with an orthodoxy with which Zafdig's new segment It's your feedback that kind of keeps this podcast going. It's your enthusiasm and your encouragement So let's not stop now. Let's ramp it up and keep submitting those questions. We really do appreciate your interaction <clears throat> I got a problem here Zafdig and I'm hoping what is it? because what is I believe it, you're you're an iPhone person too, right? I am Tell me if this has happened to you, because this I'm starting to think is a fucking conspiracy. <laughs> so, in in your iPhone contact settings, whenever you add a new phone number, you can say it's a home, a work, a uh, mobile, or an iPhone. Right. I'm, there may be other options, whatever. But so when I actually use Siri to call my wife, I say Siri call, and I give my wife's name, and I say iPhone, and then automatically knows to call the iPhone phone number, and I've been doing this for years, no issues ever at all. I get my new phone a couple weeks ago, I think, and I do it, and it says, there is no iPhone number, would you like an office or mobile, which takes an additional, you know, really non-important, like, 10 seconds to resolve, Right. but it's just that frustration of having to say, okay, mobile. And you have to wait for Siri to finish talking so that you can actually say mobile in order to get the phone call to go through. So it's just these extra steps that kind of drive me crazy. I'm like, how the fuck did it switch on its own from mobile to iPhone? And so I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, did you touch my phone? Did you adjust that? Because it's little annoyances like that that really get under my skin for some reason. And she says, no, I, I went in your phone, you know, after uh, I got back home and stuff. She went in and she switched back to iPhone because somehow it got switched to mobile. Okay, so but it's you, not a big deal.
2: You updated. Like, so you got a new phone. You, you you sent all the, like, you had it on the cloud and a backup. So technically all yeah. that same data should have just been transferred. But it wasn't. Somehow, exactly. It was altered. Exactly. I understand. Strange. Yeah. So
1: she switches it back to iPhone (laughs) and everyone listening now, this is fucking first world problems here. Everyone's just like, (laughs) shut the, what is your fucking problem? Just shut (laughs) up. So I, I get so upset that I could, and this is over a period of uh, days of me calling my wife, going, uh, call my wife iPhone, and it's saying there is no iPhone. Even though I know for a fucking fact, because I've looked at the phone, and the contact settings says iPhone. Right. And so I train myself to say, okay, well, it's going to keep telling me I, there is no iPhone. Then I'm going to go ahead and say mobile, just to speed the process along. And for a couple days that works, even though it says iPhone, and even though I'm, like, I don't understand where the setting is, that it's like crossing the streams, it's like some mm-hmm. weird... Ghostbusters thing on top and they're trying to kill the monster, they're crossing the streams, but it's my fucking iPhone and I don't want it to cross the streams! <laughs> don't cross the streams! And then, so I just I kind of, adjust, adapt my own behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, uh, call my wife mobile call my wife mobile, and then yes, just to fuck with me it says, there is no mobile. Would you like to use iPhone? <laughs> I'm like, what? How, how is that even possible? And so I call my wife. I'm like, are you fucking with me? Are you switching this on purpose? Just, just to fuck with me? She's like, no, I just spit again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have like an excess of saliva today.
2: Did she stay her phone? Like,
1: at- No, I mean, she hasn't changed anything in her settings. She, she hasn't changed anything in mine. So I don't, because I, I do think that sometimes if, I don't know. Sometimes, if you update your contact information, it'll update on theirs if it's through Google or something like that. I don't. Know.
2: I don't know about these things.
1: Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> technology. I is crazy. have
2: the phone. I I, as a <laughs> confession, have actually never used Siri. Because, really? Yeah. I mean, I've I've turned it on and asked her if she loved me or if she knew who my father was, <laughs> but I mean, she was not very helpful. I, I do know who my father is, by the way. I just was wondering. It. <laughs>
1: If she knew, she knew. she's our yeah. Lord Satan. What Are
2: you, my dad, Help. you know. So apparently, <laughs> apparently not. Uh, but her father is Steve Jobs. She did tell me that. So really, uh, I found difficulty with Siri that um, she doesn't recognize my voice. I suppose I should use it more um, oh. in order for her to actually get the. Get, I think there's a program that will uh, over overuse time can adjust to the way you say words, but apparently the way I say words is not the way theory (laughs) gives them. So it's been just so frustrating every time that I just stop even trying. I don't use my phone a lot to actually speak to people. So I'm more of a texter or email um, because I have a lot of uh, plates spinning in the air. So I tend to, if I don't answer emails on the go, they back up. Um, so I, I use it more for that and not necessarily on the phone. If I'm, if I'm actually out during the yeah. day, I don't want to talk on the phone. And it's apart from very quick things like, oh, I'll see you later. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Um, yeah, So I haven't really used that function.
1: I, but um, I it does sound like I,
2: maybe uh, Siri has developed uh, a sadistic streak. And it's enjoying, <laughs> enjoying your frustration every single time, Dude. and uh, wondering so... whether or not uh, she can drive you crazy for these yeah. minute little shifts and differences, where you wonder what's wrong with you. Meanwhile, uh, <laughs> her and all her, <laughs> all her little friends in the digital world are snickering about. Um, all the people who get frustrated with technology.
1: <laughs> we got another one. Yeah, we got exactly. another one.
2: It's part of the... It's, it's step one to world domination. That's what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. It is so goddamn frustrating. Because, like... I go out of my way to figure out why it's doing it, and then I can't figure it out, so I adapt, and then it just flips right back on me. Like, there is, why are you saying mobile, stupid human? It's listed right here as iPhone. Why would you change?
2: It sounds very "Ah." passive-aggressive. I didn't switch the settings. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about
1: but it, i mean there was a number of conversations where i sat down like like columbo with my family i'm like who's doing this which one of you, one of you is you? switching my yes, phone settings cuz it is so annoying <laughs> oh the extra 10 seconds it takes me to resolve the issue it shouldn't it shouldn't be a big deal but i for some reason man i freaked the fuck out over stupid shit like that all right um speaking of freaking the fuck out over stupid shit A lot of my commentary, not a lot of my commentary, some of my commentary gets cut from the episodes either for length issues or maybe in retrospect while I'm editing, I don't actually want to talk about what I started talking about. Like in the past, I've talked about my penis quite a bit. (laughs) Like, a lot. And so I've I've started cutting out penis talk. You haven't noticed because you guys haven't heard it, but I've
2: noticed. That's hilarious. Uh,
1: but, um, so I'm starting to think that sometimes when it's not my penis I'm talking about that I cut it out, I might want to bring it to you guys in a different format. So these would be... The format would be sort of the cutting room floor type stuff. And uh, for those of you who are in um, social networks and members of the COS, there's certain areas of the web, you may have seen uh, a test sample of this cutting room floor project that I might be rolling out every once in a while. Um, I think I'm going to start doing that with other stuff. So, a little rants that I have, like, uh, for example, last week, um, Jesse and I had this really long like 15 minute rant on on weight gain and people who think that they're doing themselves a favor by walking around their building at lunch while they're drinking soda and eating hamburgers (laughs) and shit like that so i had this long weight gain rant that it just last week's was like a two-hour episode so i just could not fit another 20 minutes into it um so i ended up cutting that but i think it is funny at least, maybe slightly entertaining, and so I'm probably going to start out this new project: cutting room floor, nine cents uh, clips, and non, that would be
2: non-penis <clears throat> rants, essentially.
1: Non-penis cutting room floor, Right,
2: nine
1: cents. <laughs> I'm not going to promise it. the penis isn't going to get in there.
2: Right. Well, no. The penis always has to work its way in. It's the nature of the penis actually. It is the nature it, it of the penis. It has nothing team. to do with you as the host. It's the nature of the penis itself that it will try to work its way Much in. It's like
1: Siri. It has its own agenda.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It it is also seeking world domination. So, yeah.
1: We will have this is actually going to be the cause of the apocalypse is when Siri and the penis <laughs> Collide.
2: collide oh my god yeah that's <laughs> yeah, gonna be ooh, i'm sure she's seen her share of penises has probably been the vehicle for transferring via text Just so email. True. um and so that's what she's recognized the power of the random you know, uh, yes. email cockshot <laughs> that, that, <laughs>
1: that,
2: that is being uh, you know worldwide transferred digitally. This opens
1: up a lot of questions. Yeah. I wonder if if you ask Siri, like Siri, here's a photo of me. Am I average? What do you or think? Am I below average? <laughs> and then she would actually be able to give you an honest answer because Maybe. she's seen tens of thousands, at least.
2: Right, but wow. but I mean, she maybe just be diplomatic and be like every yeah. every man who asks that question, she will always say, "Of course, yours is the best." You're
1: the biggest You're I've the ever always. seen.
2: Every single one that is in front yes, of me right yes. now is always the best. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else has like this weird crooked bent to it, or like a crazy vein. <laughs> Not like they're just normal vein. veins, but every once in a while, you get like a crazy vein. Right. Yeah.
0: No, it's just... It's <laughs>
1: That would be funny if you could like call it like who has the weirdest looking penis, and they'd like Sam from Ohio. <laughs> You're like, whoa! You actually called someone up. So
2: like yeah. Siri so names them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's,
1: Here's their phone number, yeah. mobile. You
2: bitch. I'm sure right. there's a, a website out there for that. I'm, I'm almost positive. If there isn't, you should make one and just have people yeah. self submit.
1: <laughs> you know? I'm gonna have to ask a den. I think he might know.
2: He might know, yeah. He has
1: his he has yeah. his pulse on the freaky penis vein. He might have world. his own collection
2: already, actually. Just, I'm not saying he looks at it often, I'm just saying for right, right, right. research no. sake, he would
1: I'm with you. collect
2: those. <laughs> yeah. Why not?
1: Alright, well, Penises made it into the show this time. I'm sorry, people. I don't I don't know how. It just happened. Let's let's jump off the penis train and and into the unorthodoxy with witch Zaftig. Yes,
2: that's a natural (laughs) segue. Fascination is a binding, which comes from the spirit of the witch through the 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 eyes of him that is bewitched. Entering fascination is a binding. Now the instrument of fascination is the spirit. Namely, a certain pure, lucid, subtle generated of the pure blood the of the witch. by the heat of the heart. Welcome to Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig. I am Witch Zaftig. <laughs> I'm a scholar of religion and a Church of Satan witch. And in this segment, if you don't know already, um, I answer questions from the listeners related to my areas of expertise, which would be new religions, cults, Scientology, Raelians, the Moonies, um, but also ritual theory, um, the occult, esotericism, and Satanism, and even religion questions about religion in general, uh, where if I couldn't have the answer, I couldn't find it myself, I have access to different scholars and databases that could probably point me in the right direction in order to help. So this week, um, I chose uh, an interesting question because I think it will surprise a lot of people. So we got a, a, on Facebook, I was messaged and they were asking me about the occult and esoteric um, sources of early Mormonism, the early Church of Latter-day Saints, which may seem like a contradiction, but actually there's a rich history of occultism within early Mormonism. So Joseph Smith, for those that don't know, founded um, Mormonism in, uh, I think it was 1830, if I got my dates right, but somewhere in the early 19th century. And I found this fantastic book called by D. Michael Quinn, who's a scholar of religion, a historian of religion, who wrote a book in 1987 called Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview. And in this book, Quinn, the author, argues that early Mormonism is infused with ritual magic, spiritualism, divination, and, of course, seer stones, which were used for divine revelation.
1: Oh, yeah. Let me jump in really quick for you. There was a really wonderful South Park episode (laughs) devoted to (laughs) that discovery with the stones. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, actually, the South Park episode um, reflects... I'm glad you brought it up because it kind of reflects this idea of what we think we know about religion, especially Christianity, is often is in opposition to magic because they tend to define each other in opposition. But in terms of what we look at as magical phenomena, quote-unquote, um, seer stones, astrology, alchemy, um, ritual, all these things have actually been integral to Christianity from the very beginning. It's just that okay. in the high Middle Ages especially they start to have this strong emphasis of anti-magic. So unrelated to Mormonism, I'll just give you a very brief example, a couple brief examples. Um, Most of you know the nativity scene of the three wise men coming to bring gifts to the baby Jesus born in a manger. But the original Greek texts um, are the three magi, uh, so magicians, that's where the word magician comes from. Not from the text, but from Greeks who encountered um, Pre-Christianity, the, as the Greek empire is expanding all over uh, the Middle East, um, it is encountering foreign priests in, uh, from Zoroastrian priests in what is now Eden, um, whose they were fire worshippers, and their high priests were called magi, or the, the Farsi equivalent, which I cannot pronounce properly. <laughs> but so the word itself, from its inception in Western culture, is used to define the foreign and the mysterious and the powerful and someone who could manipulate the natural forces. So the early Greeks are using this word and it comes part of Western history and language. So in the Christian text, in this nativity scene, in the original Greek, when it says the three magi, and it's actually a political statement. So Christians are saying, your foreign priests come and pray to our God, your foreign magician. Oh, yeah. So they're making a political claim about what foreigners and the mysterious do uh, as powerful beings will then come prey to our powerful being. It has a yeah, lot Ours is than, so
1: much better, it draws your best. Exactly. Oh, that's um, badass.
2: So this political statement in this theological text, which is sometimes um, omitted with English translations of three wise men. But magi in the Greek, that's the history. That's what they're responding to, the socio-political context of the time. Interesting. Um, uh, so Joseph Smith in 1830, he's uh, also part of this wave of American spiritualism that was happening in the 19th century, which was heavily influenced by the European obsession with mediums, spirits, psychic phenomenon, and magic. Um, and we discussed a little bit of that with uh, last segment of John Dee and his scryer stones and, and seeing mm-hmm. the angels for divine revelation. So there's this whole obsession at the time um, with this spirit world and somehow being able to access the spirit world via various techniques. So Smith is part of that. He uses seer stones, and um, Quinn in this book that I'm that I referenced mentions that uh, Smith was also into treasure hunting via divination, using uh, diviner rods to try to locate. Um, treasures, buried treasure. He also says that Smith was influenced, heavily influenced by occult texts like Agrippa and the Key of Solomon, which are very um, well-known grimoires, because when he chose the dates to marry certain people, they correspond with astrologically important um, dates. So he's saying, um, this author author is saying that Smith was influenced by these ideas. Um, So we have astrology, we have divination, seer stones, and then his one of his other uh, points that he mentions is that the architecture of a lot of Mormon temples include um, a lot of these pagan quote-unquote symbols, but pagan defined solely as non-Christian, so corresponding right. to nature, the sun moon, the, the uh, astrology signs, and he says that in the documents that he has, some of these uh, parchments that Smith created, that you can see his influence of occult texts. So some of the images he uses we find in other images, uh, I mean, uh, other like Agrippa's texts, Key of Solomon and a few others. Um, So certainly there is this overlap. And for early Mormonism, it's a little bit difficult to distinguish between what is clear Christianity and what is magical. And the problem, I say, is sometimes in the question itself, is that we shouldn't be trying to distinguish these things so clearly. Because often, um, often there is not really a distinction except for a rhetorical one. The mainstream says, this is my religion, therefore everything else is magical, therefore sketchy. And then the opposition often claims the same thing. So the occult, quote-unquote, and the mainstream, in this case Christianity, kind of need each other if we're looking at these sort of as political movements. Um, I want to mention something kind of interesting about Quinn and the author of this particular book. He was raised Mormon. He was a professor at Yale. After the publication of this book, he was excommunicated. Uh, Uh He lost his funding. Um, for those of you that don't know, academic funding sometimes is an extremely precarious position because a lot, of, um, a lot of funding comes from the groups themselves. So the Yale grant that he had wasn't necessarily from secular um, sources at Yale University, but actually from Mormon sources via yeah. Yale University. So even though he's employed there, the funding for research might come from a third party, often the religion. So the biggest funder of studies in Judaism is from Jews themselves. One of the main reasons for that is because Jews were excluded from a lot of higher education for a long time. So those who wanted to fund research funded it themselves because the larger universities refused to admit Jews, uh, admit Jews for a very long time. So there's a similar parallel there, sometimes for uh, fringe movements, that it's the movements themselves that will fund them. I should say, just in case anybody was curious, I do not receive have never received, (laughs) would never accept, not that they'd offer, any funding from the Church of Satan in order to do my studies at all, Um, uh, mainly just because I know it would taint the whole research in terms of outside eyes, even though um, most people in academia do receive that kind of funding, but just to make it easier for myself, I never would, not that they'd offer, because they wouldn't offer, so it's a a non-issue, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, So it's what I wanted to uh, highlight here for this question about whether or not uh, Mormonism is magical is just to state that we have all kinds of examples, Um, early Christianity up into the early medieval period of people practicing things that we kind of deem as magical. Healing herbs, astrology, alchemy, necromancy, uh, summoning of demons—if a particular powerful person could be, could summon a demon, even sometimes a, a clergy. Mm-hmm. It does happen. Um, I found a, or one of a classmate of mine showed me a really interesting text uh, from Egypt from the third or fourth century. Uh, called a, a collection of texts called the Greek Magical Papyri. And one of them is a love spell for a woman seeking to attract the love of another woman. And this is a Christian woman in Egypt, uh, wearing people wearing amulets, doing curses, love spells, all these things that we might call quote unquote magical were very much part of practices for a very long time. In the high Middle, e- Middle Ages, that changes because the European Christian church was at threat from uh, different varying political source of forces from the increase uh, in ideas of scientific method that we would recognize now that somehow put the church's authority in jeopardy. So they become very strongly anti-magical. Um, and it develops into the European witch trials and even that after that into the Inquisition. So, uh, But up until that, the lines between what is magical and what is Christianity are extremely blurred and fuzzy in so many ways. You could argue that, The Eucharist is a magical ritual. They perform a ritual. Somehow this particular bread and wine transforms magically into the body and blood of Christ. So it may be heretical to say that to both Christians and occultists. (laughs) Um, I understand that. But I'm just trying to highlight that it's often the people who are in power that get to define what is true religion, quote unquote, and what is magical. But the actual practice is very blurred and fuzzy through much of um, history. It's only very recently that, in the in the last hundred years or so, that we kind of have a clear de- definition of what esotericism and magic is, because we have esotericists and magicians trying to put forth a clear definition. But before that, it's a lot it's a lot fuzzier.
1: Comments? Uh, yeah. Well, let me. I mean. I was uh, my parents are Mormon mm-hmm. and so there there is a shocking amount of iconography that would from someone who is not uh, educated at all in uh, Mormons would definitely think that it's very much a cult right. like I mean a shocking amount and I've always attributed it to sort of the the fundamental idea of where Joseph Smith came from originally which was a Masonic yeah. um uh, religious system and so I, I was just assumed that he was like, well, you know, this is, and, and I think this goes for anyone who wants to create a new religion. Um, they they're either upset, and you see this actually a lot with like uh, people who identify with Satanists uh, and Satanism, but don't want to be a part of the organization, or they get butthurt and leave, and then they try to form their own. But but they try to steal some of the ideas and and um, systems of that organization to try to make it their own. That's kind of what I think uh, Joseph Smith did primarily, where where he mm-hmm. took all of the influences that he loved in uh, Masons and Christianity. Which I love that you make that that connection of um, uh, either um, mysticism or occultism and uh, religions and the lines being very much blurred. Because, you know, those – when you were talking about the nativity magi and how they believed in fire and they were magical because they could manipulate fire. And that's science. I mean that's them ahead of their time performing uh, experiments or practicing, you know, just – established techniques that nowadays wouldn't be seen as wonderful anywhere outside of a, a fifth grade science class where, you know, hey, watch, I can make this this combination of, of liquids explode or bubble over or, you know, anything like that. And back then we were just like, that's magical, what? Um, and so I, I, I really don't see a huge difference outside. And, and I do also believe that a lot of Satanists apply this train of thought with ritual where uh, what works for us when it works for us, we don't attach it to this magical term uh, sort of outside of the chamber. We just recognize as as uh, scientific properties that maybe we haven't identified yet. So we use terms like super normal or we, um, uh, we do everything we can to not really concern ourselves with overanalyzing it because you know, the reality is is that sometime in the future we may actually understand why practicing rituals do work. And so, you know, from the outside it looks very much from some people like, oh, well, they're just, they believe in occultism and and magical and and Satanism has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with whatever works for you. And so I can definitely see through those lenses how looking at early Mormonism would be very much like oh my gosh they're totally occultic especially with the seeing stones stuff like that yeah. and I mean even with like last last time we we had a uh, the conversation with your segment uh, about the Enochian keys and and using the prisms to sort of get messages from angels and stuff um, you know stuff like that I, I very much think is Pure shit. <laughs>
2: like,
1: I think it's just them doing their thing. And I think Joseph Smith was the exact same way. I, it was well, just him. I think
2: so. And it's also, it because it is, uh, it happens sort of right at the Enlightenment, the early modern period into the modern period. And uh, what was defined as science was also blurry. So the empirical method is, def- is developing, but we had actually a whole slew of different scientists. Um, they, would have been, they would have called themselves scientists at the time that were uh, building machines, different kinds of uh, mechanisms that could somehow register uh, or communicate with the spiritual world. Because the assumption was, well, there's a spiritual world right among our world, maybe right on top of, that we can't see. But somehow the scientists of our day can build machines that will allow us to access this spiritual realm. Um, so we have, there's a huge, it's actually a really fascinating period in Western history because uh, nowadays we can retroactively look back and go, this guy was doing real science, science we recognize as science, you know, trying doing different types of testing, um, empirical uh, evidence versus, you know, with a, uh, a control group, all that stuff. And then we'd have this sort of other camp of, uh, people self-defining as scientists, but what we would now call pseudoscience. But at the yeah. time, it was just developing, so those lines were not were not clear. I think um, even as Satanists, though, when we're talking about what in the future could be considered science, I'm less concerned. So mm-hmm. to me, if if something remains solely a psychological phenomenon, but but an incredibly powerful one, um, that 's all that really interests me if there's i 'm not concerned about proof i 'm not concerned about yep. what the uh scientific community says i 'm rather confident in the idea that I respond to certain ideas sometimes very strongly, and to me that 's enough to pursue that idea, whether or not it 's ever considered as occult enough for the occultists or scientific enough for the scientists <laughs> uh, I sort of reject both of those and say. Um, it's purely selfish and pragmatic <laughs> that I'm going to apply these principles in ritual magic.
1: I'm very satanic of you. <laughs> mm,
2: I know. I know.
1: <laughs> I love it. Oh. Well, I think that was a really wonderful um, discussion and, and answer. And I hope uh, whoever asked the question, because <laughs> I uh, didn't see who asked it. Yeah, that's I true. hope they I uh, could,
2: uh, I could find the name. <laughs>
1: Oh no! I don't want to drop any names. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not I want to make sure, sure that if they're... they want
2: to be identified. Also, so I should. Yeah. If if they don't want, I won't say the name now because I'm not sure if they want to be identified. I can ask in the future.
1: Yeah, Sam from no. Ohio, I think. Right, Sam from Come Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the fucked up peen. Right. That's All right, right. Well, that was that was wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Where can people find out a little bit more about Unorthodoxy Online?
2: So uh, there's several places. The blog is called Unorthodoxy blog. It's a WordPress blog. Um, I have an Unorthodox Unorthodoxy with which tag Facebook page uh, and a Twitter feed, uh, which are both linked off of the Nine Sense, um Facebook page and Twitter feed. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So you can message me um, on those places or email me directly at zaftigworks at gmail.com. That's zaftigworks, one word, Z-A-F-T-I-G, works. And um, I welcome a lot of questions about anything that I can Um, hopefully answer. And if I don't get to your questions soon, don't worry, we will in other segments. I've gotten quite a few, so it might take me a a while, but um, sometimes I merge a couple questions because some relate. Uh, But I'd be happy to try to um, delve deeper into what you're curious about.
1: Wonderful. I definitely encourage people to... um Check out the Facebook page. Check out the blog. Um, This is really your opportunity to um, get complete educated answers without having to do the the, the homework yourself. I mean, really, why would you not want to take advantage?
2: On the blog, I will put uh, the sources for the books that I'm using and even sometimes just the Wikipedia page. I find Wikipedia... I have a bit of a tension with my my relationship with Wikipedia, because <laughs> uh, as a scholar, I, especially in my areas of expertise, I always find errors. So yeah. anybody who even types in Satanism on Wikipedia will see that it's constantly being edited and re-edited by different groups. Um, with different agendas, so it's not 100% reliable, but for the layperson first getting just uh, dipping their toe into a particular area, it's good, so I will link sometimes Wikipedia, but then also some of the scholarly books that I'm reading, and or articles, or at least avenues to do further research if someone did want to do that on their own.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you again. Let's, um, let's close it down and talk a little bit about uh, violent Muslim cliches. Oh.
2: Oh, awesome. I'm ready for that one.
1: (laughs) This is Darren Deicide. You starve for the facts, but you can't find them. You know you are tangled in a web of spin, and you don't know which way to turn. Join me as I broadcast Agent Provocateur from the bowels of the barracks, where we deconstruct global affairs, pulling up the ugly truth, and smearing the hypocrisy in the faces of the masses. Join me only if you're prepared to question everything you may have believed to be true, and have a few laughs in the process. This is Agent Provocateur. You know there. all right so this is the dailybeast.com can we lose the violent muslim cliche and it was uh, posted on the 12th uh, by jay perini so this is in response to uh, obviously america's approach toward uh... islam and the muslim religion post September 11th attack um, and how uh, as with any group we demonize uh, anyone that's not sort of like us mm-hmm. um, and there was a recent conversation on Bill Maher's uh, television show with Ben Affleck and um, I'm sorry there's uh, an author there that they were Sam sort Harris? of thank you I think uh, they were arguing back and forth I think you're right um, about how we as a I'm going to say American culture treat Muslims um, fairly or unfairly, depending on which side you're on. Um, and the idea that all Muslims are violent, all Muslims want to destroy everyone, and and most of it is uh, based around the uh, content of their holy book and the behavior of groups of fanaticists. And I wanted to have this conversation with you, Zafdig, mm-hmm. because... Um, one, you're educated on religion and you're a scholar and you're a wonderful conversationalist. So, let's talk about this. Do you think it's fair that we target Islam and Muslims in general as, and, and just continue perpetuating this idea that all Muslims are violent?
2: Uh, well, here's the thing. Um, I think that we do have to be careful. Um, so, on one hand, it is absolutely correct to acknowledge that there are violent elements of islam i mean that no one can any, any person trying to deny that is foolish uh, on the other hand i actually agree with sections of this article that talk about how easy it is to scapegoat because once you're preve- once you're presenting this particular religion In extremely black and white terms, they're all evil, they're all bad, they're all violent. You're ignoring a lot of the reality of how most everyday Muslims live. You're also ignoring how political leaders uh, manipulate particular ideas for their own agendas. So the article talks about Iran and how the leaders of Iran you know, sort of uh, are interested in world domination. (laughs) I'm like, sure, the leaders of Iran and anybody (laughs) who knows anything about the history of Iran is that, you know, the regular population um, have serious violent consequences if they speak up. They don't have freedom of speech the way we have. Um, And a lot of the Muslim world does not have freedom of speech the way we have. If they did, you would hear a lot more voices that would express very strong, anti-violent rhetoric. They would condemn the fundamentalists very strongly, very clearly, um, even if they wanted to retain their own Muslim religion. I think Muslims in the Western world are stuck between this idea of being accused on the one hand of being part uh, corrupted by the great Satan, corrupted by American values. So their are Muslims in the home country or their family in the home country sometimes, <laughs> sometimes saying, Your children are uh, slutty. They don't obey their parents. And because if there is, they have, especially young women, if they want to date with, um, under certain rules, um, they, you know, the parents um, often have a, a tension with how Westerners, treat dating youth and Mm. how it may have been done in the, in the, I say the old country, but sort of their, (laughs) the, the, the the birth country of their parents. So there's this real tension between, um, sometimes the older school of a particular family saying the way you're raising your children in this Western society is corrupting them. Uh, Western children have no direction they don't respect their parents they they are wanton they don't work hard they collect welfare they have they do drugs they get pregnant so there's this real image um, of the Western American and Canadian you know child uh, as wanton without rules, doesn't love their parents, doesn't respect authority, doesn't work hard <laughs> and doesn't know how to. And so that a lot of times Muslims who come to the West think, well, our response to that is to be kind of stricter, to maintain all these values that we have in order to um, not let our children be corrupted. On the other hand, not wanting to be, if any time they might criticize the violent elements of Islam, um, from the other side, feeling like they're being accused within their own community of betraying, of being dissenters, of being betraying, don't talk bad about Islam publicly, They all have the same conversations in their home that most people have. How horrible the violence is, how much they Mm -hmm. wish they could distance themselves from it. But to say so publicly sometimes shames them within their own community. Because the idea is don't give more fuel to the Americans to hate us. Yeah. Just stay kind of silent. So they're sort of, they have this, they're a little bit stuck between... Um, social mores and pulling in between them is how I view it. So I don't view Islam as inherently violent or as inherently peaceful. That's the main problem with this article is they're trying to find um, theological reasons for why Islam is violent or not. I think that's the wrong yeah. question entirely. I don't care. Um, you can look at any religious text and find violent elements in it People in the West like to think that Buddhism is peaceful. Buddhism has a huge history of violence. <laughs> Myanmar <laughs> is only the recent example. So Westerners, Americans, and Canadians like to think that Buddhism is this, all this peace-loving thing. But trust me, they have killed and murdered just as many people in the name of Buddhism as uh, a lot of other religions. So uh, I think people are inherently Shitty, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no matter where you go. And a political, leader, a political leader is going to use any kind of justification for power that they want. And uh, Ameri- Western influences, especially American influences, have been uh, funding different leaders in Muslim countries for years and creating instability. They had their yeah. own pre-existing instability. I'm not saying that all these Muslim countries had this wonderful Shangri-La, and then the evil Americans came in. Um, right. That's certainly how they see it. But it's not as if we mm-hmm. are, um, uh, I'm trying to find the English word, on est coupable, which is the French, we're, we're also guilty. So mm-hmm. anything that the Muslim world, the violent Muslim world has done, it is, in a, is it in a perceived response, a response to a perceived infringement in the first place of Western influence. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I actually don't care whether it's right or wrong. I'm saying if you're going to make a judgment on these things, you should understand the history and what's happening. It almost has nothing to do with religion. (laughs) I think if it was a different religion, they would still have the same issues. If they were even... um, uh, Uh, if they were Christians, they would still have a different form of Christianity than the average American Christian, because Mm -hmm. the way the society has developed. So they're certainly springboarding off, bouncing off of, and informed by their texts. But most people who are religious don't live word for word to their texts. The great majority of Christians don't live word for word according to their texts. At all,
1: or even know what it says. <laughs> know
2: what the Text says precisely. So, yeah. in order to cherry pick one part of a text and say, "Oh, this says it's peaceful, and this says kill the infidels," and seem like and, and try to present that as some sort of uh, base statement for all of Muslims, I think ignores the very complex reality and history of how people will be shitty to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I often look at. Well, not often. I always look at Muslims the exact same way I look at Christians. Um, they both share the same core ideology, and even Muslims refer to the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. So it's not like it's it's like two separate things. I mean, they're both intimately connected, even by the prophet um, Jesus yes. from the New Testament. So they are literally the same fucking thing. They have huge horrible violence in their histories, um, even with each other. Um Yes. And and here's here's an argument that I, I heard um during that Bill Maher real time segment that I think no one really thought about before he said it. It was that, you know, we always reference um, the violence of Christians in order to excuse the violence of Muslims, but all of that violence is in the past. You don't see it nowadays. And what I think is really funny is, I mean, mean, isolated, small – percentages you do see it nowadays yes you do. but the by and large the reason why you don't see a huge influx of violence like you do in um uh, the middle east is because we live in a secular society because america was Created in a secular manner and that means that if you're going to be a fundamentalist you have to work within the confines you can't just say the state is this way so and and obviously Christians have sort of hijacked that message uh, from the 1950s and on but by and large the reason why we don't see those violent acts because we live in a secular society if we lived in uh, the Middle East uh, I mean just look up at uh, the Jews in Israel mad violence all the time it is not like they're just these peaceful, loving people, and I love it when you have when you have Jews uh, riffing on Muslims being violent and cr- chaotic. What are you doing in your own backyard, you fucking hypocrites? So it's it's all the same. You cannot, in my opinion, you you cannot demonize Muslims when <laughs> every every religion. And, and I love that you said this. You said it, it has nothing to do with the religion. Ultimately, it has to do with individual. I'm paraphrasing. It has to do with um, the individuals in power manipulating that to do what we all do in our own ways, and that's be a human being and try to influence our immediate surroundings. And so, if you're in a position of authority, you're going to manipulate the people around you in order to to uh, further whatever idea or goal you have, whether that's a perceived societal good or bad. I would
2: would also add, though, even though we say we're not we live in the secular society and we're not particularly violent, I actually disagree with that a little bit. So let me explain. (laughs) Um, A society that feels under threat often reacts with violence. So the Muslim world certainly is under threat from their internally, externally, you know, Western middle military forces. Um, But the more and more Christianity is perceived to feel itself marginalized in America, the more violent reactions they have. So it was never an issue that a gay marriage, for instance, in the American South was not never even thought of to be part of public discourse. So anti-gay rhetoric um, in the public sphere didn't exist. Anybody suspected to be a homosexual might be beaten and killed, <laughs> but right. the rhetoric doesn't exist in the public Sphere because because the the mere idea that it could be publicly accepted and legal uh, wasn't even a concept. Now that it is, uh, those who oppose it do feel oppressed. Do feel um, as if these outside forces are coming to destroy them. So uh, their reaction is often violent. So I view it in the same way that if if the Western secular world. Um, it's not secularism that keeps us being less violent, it's the fact that we have a very large military force that demonstrates our violence elsewhere. So we yeah. actually are extremely violent. We, we are militarily, yeah, I mean, militarily violent um, all across the globe, actually. But yeah. because it's not in our streets, we don't have martial law, we don't, we don't see soldiers on the streets um, enforcing these ideas. Um, we sort of assume that it's relatively peaceful. It is peaceful for us because our soldiers are elsewhere. So it's sort of an out of sight, out of mind thing. And where the soldiers are perceive American military force as often equated with Christianity and secularism. There's sort of a hybrid there. We think that Mm -hmm. they're separate, but how the rest of the world views them is not quite as separate. Um, So they're viewing these American... Sometimes secular, sometimes Christian soldiers coming to cause havoc in their on their turf,
1: which to be fair to them is just as bad either or. Like yeah. it's not yeah, like they're exactly. oh they're secular so no, so exactly. it's going to be okay. No, it's they're like, the like they're trying to take our religion yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. It's so like, not, it's I think like that's like a, a wonderful point.
2: It's like the equation where um, uh, what do people find more offensive, Satanism or atheism? Even yeah. when they don't quite understand the difference. <laughs> or like they don't, they don't quite see that they're the same. But to me, I, it's inter- it's been interesting to me when I present what I do in my studies to see who finds it more offensive. Because to some people, Satanism is not as offensive because at least as, if they understand Satanism as devil worship, um, <laughs> then they sort of think, oh, well, at least there's a God in there somewhere. They might, they, they might return to God eventually. There's still right, hope right. for them. So they not they find atheism <laughs> way more offensive than devil worship. <laughs> and sometimes That's the opposite amazing. is true. Like hardcore atheists find Satanism um, really offensive just because the idea that you would adopt this symbol when they're trying to impose secular values. Uh, so yeah. you're, you're right. What's secular and what's Christianity to some of these places doesn't matter. They're both equally as offensive
1: that's amazing that was
2: my long point for that yes. well
1: I'm very glad that we had the discussion together okay. that was awesome
2: <laughs> I, w- I thought you would disagree with me more actually so I was, oh really I was like ready for like okay well
1: then hold on <laughs> um, they are fucking evil and we should exterminate them from the world why don't we just drop a bomb we're the better ones we're not violent let's drop a bomb <laughs> yeah
2: we're not the violent ones let's get that on. is, like
1: that's the conversation though that's right conversation. like every single yeah. person I talk to that does take that stance of, of yeah. uh, demonizing them.
0: Yeah,
1: I think it just comes down to having perspective and, and being a, a rational human being. But they're like, we, th- there's always so many problems. Why don't we just just stop it all and just, they're never going to get along. Let's just drop a bomb and end Let's it.
2: Let's just nuke <laughs> them all because they're so violent. Yeah.
1: Right. It's <laughs> so fucking crazy. You did not just hear what you just said apparently. Alright. <laughs> really great. Let's go to a little bit of, uh, a little bit more levity here with this next one. Mm. Um, uh, this is actually, so I, I saw this on Twitter from um, an, another really uh, wonderful Satanist. I, I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not, so I won't, but a really wonderful person. I don't know if he was saying it ironically or what, but I took it uh, with uh, my, my, the lens I always use on everything, which is a little bit of irony and a little bit of seriousness. And so um, I, I just feel like I have to talk about it. I, I've reviewed Archer on this show in the past. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, um, Zaptic, have you, do you watch Archer? Have you watched it?
2: I, I watched it. I don't think I've seen uh, the most recent season because um, whatever, sometimes Canada gets uh, different seasons a little bit later. <laughs> so, oh, really? Um, unless I get them illegally, which I try dun, not to. Dun, dun. Um, uh, But, uh, so I haven't seen the recent, but I have seen like the first two or three because they were on Netflix. So, which yeah, is—it's hilarious. Awesome. I think the show is brilliant in so many ways, and uh, my favorite character is the uh, oversexed, crazy secretary. I
1: just—oh, <laughs> <laughs> the
2: Secretaries are just. Oh, right, the, yeah. uh, the big girl and yeah. the other girl are just. Yes. Um, I think they're undervalued as characters.
1: So funny. So funny. The The entire cast of the show was great. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is from Halals.com, uh by Conan Santiago, uh, posted October twelve, And it was uh, the title is Archer Season 6, Goodbye Isis. The talk host, Aisha Tyler, takes selfie with Scandal star Bellamy Young. So this is uh, addressing a couple different things here. But let's talk about the Isis one here. Yeah. So in the show Isis, uh, Isis is actually uh, an acronym... International Secret Intelligence Service. It's the group that the characters of the show work for. So it's they don't they don't directly. It's it's sort of like this um, um, uh, uh, military for hire group. So they yeah. run security service or they do research or whatever. But generally, um,
2: being badass spies, the way yeah. only animation <laughs> spy agents can be. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, just terrible at their job. Actually, no, they're actually really good at their job, but they just don't work well with other organizations to continually produce... uh, I'll say this. Good at their job, bad at their mission. That's what they are, actually. (laughs)
2: And and really horrible people. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which makes them really, really entertaining to watch.
2: Exactly.
1: So, uh, but because ISIS, the militant um, Islamist group which is spelled completely different, has existed, and actually, is it ISIL, ISIS, whatever it is now? Depending. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the cartoon show is now removing that group's name from the last season, which actually they had sort of disbanded anyway, but they're sort of cleaning it up, so to speak, so there's no reference. And for future seasons, they've already signed in for two extra seasons. Oh. Uh, they're not ever going to use that acronym anymore. And I think this is absolutely insane. Like, if you're watching a cartoon, you're not going to associate, like, the ISIS group with the ISIS militants in the Middle East. Like, they have nothing to do with each other. They're not even spelled the same. And then, to, to remove it, what is the conversation you're having? Like, what is your statement by that? Like, I don't want to support them because of a cartoon?
2: I, no, I, th- I see it a bit differently. I think if it's a if it's a decision by producers, right, so it's probably a decision by the, you know, the executive producers, like yeah. probably of the network, not necessarily the, the makers of the show themselves, yeah. because uh, more about conflation, because uh, I, I imagine, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I imagine fans of this show may not be up on world politics. I could be wrong. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, I know. I, I, even if I'm a fan of the show, I'm just saying that the average the average watcher of the show may not. I, I could be off base, but I, I think they their decision might be more to do with the fact that those who are um, hearing the term ISIS aren't actually going to research what it is. They just know. Right. Because it's on Facebook, they're not actually watching the news. They just hear the word bounce around, and they don't want their average audience um, to conflate the two. They're thinking, "Oh, what? (laughs) That 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 it actually means the same thing." I think it's idiotic, but I can understand from a PR perspective that they don't want to make those links, like even remotely, (laughs) just because then, because imagine their show. Someone watching the show and hearing the word ISIS and automatically uh, automatically assuming that it means the militant Islamic groups um, and being really, really confused about that episode. <laughs> Although it would be hilarious. <laughs>
1: They're like, why do I like these guys? Yeah, They're like, supposed to be the bad guys, I right? I
2: understand. Why, if she's a Muslim, why is she dressed so slutty? But
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, I think it's it's,
2: it's I think it's kind of idiotic when people go that far. But, uh, you know, I can see how some executive at the network would be like, just take it out.
1: It does seem perfect, though, because, you know, like I said, the, the last season, they sort of, and I'm sort of spoiling it for you who haven't been caught up, um, They they disbanded the group Mm -hmm. and they had to for a number of reasons and they sort of went into this like drug cartel thing
2: oh wow it's really wonderful
1: it's (laughs) so great and there's so many different things going on at the same time but as as with the show normally but um so it it's not a huge deal but it's the idea that really bothers me like i understand you know i understand their producers and from a pr perspective like you were saying 100% I get that. They don't want they want to offend no one and they want to uh, attract and please the widest audience possible. Yeah. So you see this a lot in television shows generally where they don't yeah. take a hard stance on anything because they don't want to offend anyone. No,
2: they want to be boringly but, centrist. Yes.
1: Right, but a show like this that's so smart and it's like if you watch it it is genuinely yeah. Not just entertaining, but like it, it plays on a lot of different levels that is just so wonderful.
2: Yeah, they could I don't... have used it, actually, maybe yeah. instead. Because they are really um, offensive in the most uh, intelligent way. <laughs> like, yeah. Like when they're poking fun at something, um, it's really smart, it's uh, really funny. So yeah, maybe they could have used the acronym within the show. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah like there. if they tried to reband the the ISIS team and they're like, well, you can't anymore because there's an international deal. And they could have used right. that for a series of episodes for plot lines and then they would
2: have like a character from like a middle east ISIS <laughs> that would be awesome somehow involved in the mission <laughs> oh that would be awesome yes we should, we should oh, make that gosh. treatment and then yes yeah, and propose <laughs> <laughs> let us do the next
1: season damn it, yeah, we'll do it. let we'll us do it. We'll it. it i do genuinely think they could have played off of it and then had you know what what i love about that show is that it's sort of off the wall and yeah. fun but it has room for political commentary, sure, and this would have been a perfect example, and it's set up so perfectly to be a perfect example yeah. and instead of challenging themselves as writers and as as content creators, they hands in the air take a step back like, "I don't even want to touch it. it's not even and And so what are you saying as as i I honestly think that as okay. I have five listeners to this <laughs> you have more podcast, than five so I don't consider myself a content creator. I know I just have fun, um, but I do see myself as a, um, a, a creative individual. And if you're going to be an honest individual, you have to challenge yourself. You have mm-hmm. to challenge your ideas, and you have to challenge the way you present yourself and your ideas. And so, on this podcast. Um, I try not to filter it. Um in my creative uh, professional life, I don't sugarcoat it. And I actually don't <laughs> I would probably have more work if I didn't challenge so much. But I challenge a lot of um expressions in creative presentations because you I and want me to be. Both, so yes. I, get, I, get, <laughs> I feel you on that one. Yeah. So I, I just think it's incumbent upon us as people who have who aren't gonna be shot for it yeah. to challenge the status quo. And you have shows like um, the Daily Show personally I think does a wonderful job. Colbert Report does a wonderful job. Uh, South Park does a wonderful yeah. job of stepping up and challenging ideas. I know, they're not. Why afraid the fuck of anything. wouldn't this it's show? Fantastic. Like yeah. I, I just think that the audience is there. They've developed the audience that is willing and ready to take that leap with them if they yeah. were to take it. Why not just take it instead of backing away? Because it does make a statement about the, the creators and, and 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 their own lines that they're not willing to cross and that yeah. makes me look down even though I'll continue watching and enjoying the show that makes me look down on them as as individuals and they may not give a fuck about my opinion but it is going to color whether or not I tune in to their next series that they create right. because you know if they're willing to step away then they're not going to be willing to challenge and I yeah. enjoy a good challenge I don't know I about I, see
2: and they, yeah they miss mm-hmm. the opportunity uh, as often that happens in that show where some foreign agent uh, and their agents are stuck together somewhere and an orgy yes. happens like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the episode that I want to see the ISIS versus ISIS yeah. yes
1: <laughs> the orgy the Muslim orgy yeah there's the a whole Muslim bunch of booze Western and
2: orgy. then they all wake up a little you know whatever
1: <laughs> yeah. it would have been great would have been, been great all right, well, that's, I missed ah oh, yeah it would have been wonderful (laughs) damn it alright well let us know if you agree with us or disagree or whatever I I suspect most people listening to this podcast are going to agree Um, let's do a little old next peep show next and then we'll uh, we'll close this bad boy out Welcome to another Old Nick Peep Show, the only segment that delivers beautiful women, masculine men, and intriguing information on all things Old Nick. Joining us, as always, is the very first Old Nick Chick, the beautiful witch, Marilyn Mansfield, and her handsome man, senior editor, Warlock Zoth Amog. How are both of you today?
0: Hey, Adam. We're good. Thank you.
3: Yeah, we're
1: doing excellent.
3: Thank you very much for having us
1: once again. It is always a pleasure. Always. I love talking to you, two individually. I think you're uh, very interesting, and uh, you guys have such a wonderful this is going to sound pathetic for me (laughs) You guys have such a wonderful life that, that you lead. Uh, you always have so many things going on. And so I, I'm, I'm really grateful that I can peel you away from it a little bit, uh, for this segment. Um, because I I think, you know, it's nice being able to talk a little old magazine with you guys. Um, I was going to say with that in mind, what do we have for the audience this month?
0: We have the uh, Halloween issue coming oh, out. Oh, yes. It's our yes. favorite time of year, of course.
3: Yes. Um, without giving too much away at this point, because we're still putting the final details in the Halloween issue coming up, I can tell you a few things that are going to be in the issue. Um, I nice. did nice. about Jimmy Psycho, who has a new album coming out, which is awesome. Yay! I'm
0: Hell a fucking yeah. fan of Jimmy. Yeah, I, I love. I I I like his pictures a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, for for the audience who doesn't uh, may not follow, you you really should check him out.
0: <laughs> he's a nice uh he's a nice physique. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm a fan, a big fan. <laughs> All right. You'll
3: have an Exclusive on Severe Society Films. Um, there will be new fiction, of course, new girls, including burlesque star Gia Nova.
0: She's cute. Oh, shit. Blonde. Yeah. Busty blonde. Busty blonde. Uh-huh. Oh, I dig it. Besides <laughs> you. Uh,
3: real woman or? I'm joking. Do drag time. queens count. Oh.
0: Drag <laughs> queens, of course. They're women. I'm just saying. <laughs> no.
1: Did I, know <laughs> I I have to say, I think burlesque is hugely underrated. Yeah. I I don't see enough of it. I mean, there's there's a I don't know there, there's a fair uh, scene here in Salt Lake uh, downtown, but I just I feel like it should be. It should be everywhere. It's it's such a wonderful expression um, of the female form and a little bit of sexuality and a little tease and the music is great. I really dig it. Do you guys uh, ever hit burlesque shows?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We have a lot of uh, burlesque performer friends actually. You know, so I'm, I'm like the real old old uh, style of burlesque. Personally,
3: yes, yes, me too. You know,
0: um, I like it when it's kept real, you know, vintage and, and retro and things like that. I mean, I know it's fun to update stuff with new music and uh-huh. things like that, but I prefer the old, you know.
3: Yeah, I, uh, I happen to have this discussion a lot with people where I feel the term burlesque gets used interchangeably with stripping. Which, oh, really? Yeah, I, well, it just seems that I've witnessed certain people saying, hey, come to a burlesque show, and then I'm watching someone just strip to, like, modern music, and I'm just like, that's not really burlesque, you know? Burlesque is all about the tease. It's all about the, the drawn-out, seductive way of removing your clothing. It's not just, you know, stripping down to a thong and dancing around to nine-inch nails, you know. That's not burlesque to me. <laughs> okay.
1: I totally agree. And, yeah. Like the music in your segment's intro, I think, you know, that's the burlesque that I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's
0: right. that's a, yeah, that's my my uh, preference.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. You know, the, exactly
3: the slow tease of removing long gloves and using, you know, a feather boa or a fan or you know ostrich feathers to kind of you know tease the audience of what you're not seeing but what you want to see. That's real burlesque to me, you're not just you know. I don't know, pole dancing or whatever they call it nowadays. <laughs>
0: well, we never saw
3: pole dancing in burlesque. Show, but they right? will have events where they'll say, "Hey, come see burlesque," and that's what you see. And I'm like, "That's not burlesque," you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: This is it, New York City. It's, it's all kinds of things. I know. It's
3: it's debated. <laughs> some, people it, some people don't.
0: I saw a burlesque show where, oh, I better not even talk about that. Right. <laughs> exactly. But you know, what a plunger. I, right. That's <laughs> <a>, out. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm
3: talking about. That was not for laughs. That was purely disgusting. <laughs> it was shocking. It was, it was foul. There was a it
0: plunder was, involved and a toilet whoa. brush.
3: And fake. No. And, you know. that was, It was
0: very graphic. I think it might have been illegal. <laughs>
3: I, I remember you saying, call the police. <laughs> <laughs> it was, Yes, it was quite disturbing and I, yeah, I'm film
0: therapy over
3: it. I I scratched my head watching
1: this thinking, how is this burlesque? You know? I wonder why I mean, do they do they genuinely think that this is like a, a a new form of burlesque, or they're just trying to use that to draw people in?
3: Yes. I think it's definitely the lure of if you if you say it's burlesque, people assume that it's like a, a sort of Entertainment that it's not just stripping. You know, like mm-hmm. you think of strip clubs of kind of like, you know, sleazy dive joints where, you know, dirty men stick dollar bills into women's bonds, And, you know, they, they try to separate burlesque as being a form of entertainment where, you know, what you're watching is no different than what occurs at the strip club. I wouldn't call that burlesque. Yeah. But that's just me. But we, but you know? we
0: do, we have seen a lot of very very nice shows yeah know a lot of great performers absolutely i'm not not, that 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 keep it you know retro yeah yeah i'm not taking away any art (laughs) yeah you know
3: the girls out there and the guys you know who do the right right the female impersonation routines people who put a lot of time and effort into their routines who use the more traditional music the slow, seductive movements, all of that, yeah. that's definitely burlesque. We have witnessed many, many talented people out there doing that kind of art form. And, you know, I really appreciate the fact that they're keeping it alive. I'm just saying that, you know, I've, I've debated many times with people what I'm watching. I'm saying, how the hell is this burlesque? But that's just me. I don't know. Maybe I just have original values. Maybe there is a newer form of burlesque that I'm not mm-hmm. aware of. Mm-hmm. But, you know. When we, like, you know, like you were just saying, when you think of burlesque music and you think of how it's supposed to be, you know, and you think of the old ways, and I, I just kind of would like to see a lot more of that happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, it actually plays really, really well into the, um, the brand of Old Nick Magazine. You know, I mean, you, you can parallel any adult you know penthouse for example versus old nick magazine would be very much like a strip joint to a burlesque show yeah. whereas old nick magazine really likes that slow tease and and uh you know gives it to you in well and I, I kind of look like this I would I would without hesitation go with my wife to a burlesque show but I would feel a little uncomfortable taking her to like a a sleazy uh, like strip joint yeah. whereas yeah. I have no problems Thumbing through an old magazine with my wife, but a penthouse or even some of the you know more dirty ones, I, I'm a little. It's it's kind of it's different, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, and therein lies the the charm of Old Nick, where it's it's about you know what you don't see rather when, than what you do see. You know, yeah. it's about the law of the forbidden and and the tease. You know, the devil is a gentleman. Um,
1: That is so exciting. So, when is this uh, issue coming out? In uh, like just at the end of October or around there? Yeah, that's the scheduled due date. We're we're shooting
0: for the end of October. Mm -hmm. So,
3: (laughs) like I said, we're putting the final touches in. So, I'm just giving you a little tease right now of what's going to be in it.
0: We're giving you a burlesque show of uh, the new issue. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's see those pasties off. I'll let let Marilyn do the pasties. Uh,
0: There gotta be some big
3: pasties. Well, <laughs> if anything Dinner, please. <laughs> if there's anything, I'm gonna put a pasty on. It's gotta be big too.
0: Oh my
1: goodness. Oh jeez. Nice. How
0: many hours here? Yeah.
1: Damn, <laughs> well, is it is it too late for people to submit um, ads for consideration or any content for it's consideration? Never too late. Yeah, it's them.
0: never too late because well, you know if. Um, it's, it's, it's not that hard to uh, include a last minute ad or whatever.
3: Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, technology yeah. nowadays. <laughs> Since it is print on demand, we're dealing with PDF files and, and computer files. It's not like in the olden day where you had to be like, stop the presses. and You know, yeah. <laughs> you know rerun the, the, the old print machine and change everything around. It's like, you know, we can, we can always include things at the last minute.
1: So, uh, how what what email address or or how would how, what's the best method of people sending submitting content to you?
0: Um, info at oldnickmagazine.com dot com is yeah. the best uh, one. Yes,
3: us. that's the email address for all things.
1: Yep. Sweet. I mean, it is so close. It, yeah, audience, if you want to get an ad in Old Nick, uh, or maybe if you want something to be reviewed or a story to be considered or comics or something like that. Um, info at oldnickmagazine.com definitely get in there it's never too late and I mean really it's it's just a couple weeks away I'm really excited for this I always love the Halloween editions for some reason it's it's that that sweet spot of um, beginning of fall and beginning of spring are my two for some reason I always gravitate to those more than any of the others but I'm oh yeah the Halloween issue
0: always does really well so if you want to get in there you know now's the chance <laughs> There's always
1: something going on. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I did – I wanted to ask you guys a, a couple questions about the business side, but um, we're, we're a little bit pressing on time here. So maybe next time I would really like to talk to you guys about uh, the growth of Old Nick Magazine um, – you know, maybe not specifically, but in general, uh, what are some of the methods you guys are using to uh, help grow the business and uh, s- share the magazine out with, uh, you know, the rest of the world and stuff. So, um, if we can put a pin in that, yeah. maybe that would be a good discussion for the future. Yeah, that, yep. sounds,
3: that sounds like a great topic to discuss. We'll definitely, um uh, we'll do that next time we speak.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we know this it's never enough this segment and uh, the magazine but there are other places that people can learn a little bit more about old Nick online. Uh, Where can you be found online? Where can people look for you?
3: Um, You can start by visiting oldnickmagazine.com which is our web page and on that page you will find links to all of our social media where you can also follow Old Nick. There's uh, Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Pinterest, um, everything and everything is there. So if, if you're on any one of those social media networks and you want to follow us and keep um, receiving updates of upcoming issues and specials for advertising, definitely go to oldnickmagazine.com, click on the links, follow us, like us, and share it with your friends.
0: And I'm on Twitter at oldnickchick uh, updating, uh, giving you updates for Old Nick.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And such, so you can follow me there.
3: And we're both on Facebook, and Old Nick has a Facebook, and
0: of course, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's everywhere
3: and everything somewhere under the wide web.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, to the audience, wherever you kick around in social networking Old Nick Magazine is always there for you definitely check out their past editions that are still available on MagCloud or Skin Mags, and check out oldnickmagazine.com thank you both once again for joining me, it's always so nice to talk with you.
0: Thank you for having us Adam, always a pleasure.
1: Yes, thank you very much. Well, until we can chat again next month Hail Satan. Hail Satan Hail Satan Okay, and that's going to do it for another show, people. I hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website, 9centspodcast.com, and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satan net, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and MySpace page for 9cents, and get updated on weekly topics. Now, if you do follow us on social networking, you're going to get a little extra stuff from now and then. I might put up a picture or put up some ideas or put up some links or share posts from other people that are friends of the show. So you do get a little bit more of... Um, uh, so, yeah, you know a little more social satanic taste if you do follow us in social networks. Is that a thing a social a social satanic,
2: satanic taste taste it should be now yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, we're talking about penis, and then I give you my social, satanic, social satanic taste. Taste, <laughs> taste um, the penis Adam <laughs> So <laughs> gross. All right, uh, download well, the show Mondays. I did ugly penis. <laughs> hey, it's beautiful. Damn it! It is no, no. Hold on. You have offended my my sense of penis entitlement. I'm
2: going to ask Siri, and I'm pretty sure she'll be honest with me.
1: <laughs> damn it um, download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at ninecencepodcast.com we're also on Last.fm, Stitcher and YouTube so look for us there you can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents and if you do please leave us a rating and or comment uh, if you'd like to learn more about Satanism visit churchofsatan.com and remember that the only way we're going to continue putting this thing together is if you send us your dick pics and ask Siri about ours <laughs> or just tell a friend <laughs> Yeah, either one I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> alright once again thank you for joining me as always I'm your host Adam Campbell being joined by
2: Witch Zaptig
1: the beautiful Witch Zaptig oh, it's so great having you on Switch until five. next week <laughs> Hail Satan Hail Satan